Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser. Today we are talking about authenticity and transparency in leadership. And I know that from a very young age, authenticity and transparency has been so important to me in my faith. Um, seeing it up front on stage and within the character of church leaders has been vital to my faith. And it's also been detrimental to my faith when I haven't seen it in leadership. Mm-hmm. What about you, Hannah? Yeah, I think it is so important because just fakeness is not something that is attractive and it's super easy to perceive. And I think in leadership, you know, those people set you set the pace for the people that you're following. So if you're not vulnerable and you're not transparent, other people aren't going to feel the freedom to do so. And then I think you have a culture of people who are just hiding, you know? Right. You know, I used to uh, teach this Bible study in downtown Denver to women who had come out of prison. They were um, with felony convictions. They couldn't get a job. And so they were employed by this ministry to, to actually go and clean churches, which ironically was my first job ever was cleaning churches. And um, after a Bible study one day, they just had this discussion among themselves and they were like, thank God we don't go to these suburban churches where we would feel like we had to put it all together because the Lord knows we don't have it all together. Right. And that is one thing that I long to see in, in churches is, is a place where we can actually show our own pain where we can actually be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and authentic and to see that modeled from stage is so powerful and today our guest today i heard her speak at my own church west bowls community church on mother's day and her authenticity and transparency was so compelling that i just had to have her come and be a guest on the show her name is miss julie burns julie why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself okay um my name is julie burns um i am a mother of four i've attended uh west bowls since 1991 um i i was raised by a i was a pastor's kid so i was raised with a christian family that was in christian education and we moved all over the place so i was in lots of different churches and i really um you know, I had I I've grown up with a faith in God, um, but just really never found a church that I felt like was real. And so, in 1990, uh, <clears throat> I joined West Bulls Youth Group, and they were just so real. And so, I've stayed there ever since. Um, I'm an RN, and I've worked as a doula for the last 12 years, which is um, helping women in childbirth. Um, I'm a teacher at our church um, in our women's group, and we have about 100 women, maybe 120 that go, and we meet weekly, so I'm, I'm one of the teachers, and my husband also works at the church, so West Bowles is definitely our family. Right. Wow. And Julie, Haley, I wasn't there personally, but Haley shared the YouTube video with me of you teaching um, from the stage, and it was a very um, just powerful and raw testimony, and so 
I'm curious of how that felt to kind of share something like that from the stage. And if it was difficult, like what kind of things you had to overcome to be vulnerable? What what were some of the specific things that you thought were specifically raw to you? What stood out to you? Right. Yeah. So for the listeners, she talked to you talked a lot about staying power in difficult circumstances, which um, in and of itself, it it was about being in that place of hardship rather than just trying to evade it which I think a lot of times people are eager to do or you know, tell the testimony from the other side of the victory rather than what it's like to be in it. And so that's kind of what I got, what, what was refreshing to me because you don't hear that a lot. Do you wanna share something that was raw to you? Oh, well, just naming the slam after slam after slam of what 2020, the gifts of 2020, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, including your brother's suicide, your husband's um, dealing with COVID symptoms, your own thoughts, you know, suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, anxiety, things like that, all of that from the stage and going back to scripture and showing how scripture tied in with each of those things and how it strengthened you. So, yeah to hannah's question how did that feel to share that yeah it was it was very anxiety producing to get up um on the stage of our church first of all i I felt like it was an immense privilege to be asked to speak um i feel like they they put a lot of confidence and faith in me and i didn't want to screw it up so i uh, a lot of pressure yeah a little pressure because you know if you're up in the pulpit you're you're representing with the you know the church and um but i also you know, when I when I speak in front of women, I feel like I am a role model. Um, you know, people will follow the lead of whoever's speaking, and the discussions to follow will will uh, result in whatever the speaker says. So I try to be as honest as I can up there, so that it would maybe spur on honest conversations. And I don't know how to not be honest. And unfortunately, my life has had. <laughs> I, mean, I know that feeling. I've had. <laughs> so many things i mean it just feels like i'm constantly in survival mode just a lot of things major 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 things have happened in my life um i think i actually suffer from complex ptsd and there's a lot of stigma around depression and anxiety and also if you're in the middle of some really hard times you know a lot of times christians think there's something wrong with your faith um but that's just not the way it is um and so i want to be honest with that because so many people in the church are struggling quietly because they're afraid that if they speak up you know people will judge them you know maybe you're not being a good enough christian or you're not living out your faith the way you're supposed to or not praying enough or whatever Mm -hmm. um but that's not reality we all struggle every day and each of us have our own battles and if we hide it it's not going to get better i mean Right. I, don't I mean, like you to live falsely, you know, you talk about the complex PTSD, which makes me think about um, I've learned a lot over the years through my own complex PTSD from it's compounded by, you know, a, an incredible car wreck. I was thrown from the vehicle and then also being sexually assaulted and um, not understanding until I studied like the neurobiology of assault and the body's reaction to trauma. There's actually been a fantastic book come out called The Body Keeps a Score. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. And so part of it is understanding that we are human beings, we are embodied creatures. Mm -hmm. And I think the theology of, 
you know, helping people to understand you do have a body and your body responds. And no matter how much you pray, you have to understand that you are an embodied creature and that has meaning and purpose. Absolutely. But, um, you know, A.W. Tozer wrote that the most important thing about a person is what that person thinks about God. That was actually the first sentence I ever read for grad school. I was laying by a pool in Los Angeles, California when I read that and I was blown away by it. And in your testimony, you talk a lot about, um, you know, during your college days of where you believe that um, that God was only pleased with you when you suffered. Yeah. And so what do you think changed? What started to change the way you view your perception of God? Well, first of all, the reason why I felt that way about uh, 19, 18, 19 years old when I was in college, my first year, I had come to a place in my faith where I believed that God was only pleased with me if I suffered and endured. And the reason for that belief was because we moved as a family. I was transplanted about, oh, I don't know, 18 different places by the time I was, or 15 different places by the time I was 18. So it was constantly moving, uh, constantly unstable conditions, not knowing if we had enough money to pay bills or to eat, um, constantly losing friends. So, you know, it was just a lot of little trauma over and over and over again. And so the only thing I had growing up um, that was constant was the Bible and was my faith in God. And so I was very, very strong in my faith, but I didn't know how to be anything other than a survivor or a fighter. And so I felt like when things were kind of going along normally, that maybe I was weak in my faith. So it was a really messed up idea that God, you know, was only proud of me if I was fighting the good fight, you know, and, um, that, that just kind of made me frustrated and depressed, you know. <laughs> it was not a healthy way to look at God um, and myself. Yeah, so when did that start to change, or if it's in the process of yeah, changing? Yeah, so it, like? here's the, it changed by finding a scripture. I mean, really starting to dig into the scriptures deeper and deeper, and I started realizing that God is approachable and God is love and God um, I found the scripture that just changed my life and it's perfect love casts out all fear and I thought you know I live in fear all the time I live in fear of how people think of me of their reactions of how God's going to you know like withdraw his hand from my life if I don't please him and I started looking at the scriptures and realizing that does not add up to you know the scriptures like you know nothing can separate you from God's love and you know and and really the biggest thing is that um I didn't have a lot of nurturing growing up and I started looking around at moms and how they love their kids unconditionally and I started thinking about God as a father and thought you know I think it really did start changing when I started having my own own children. I thought, what kind of a parent would just leave their child, you know, if they're um, not living up to perfection? I mean, my kids could be like throwing a temper tantrum, and I would just love them. I knew that they were frustrated, and I, I would meet them where they were at. And so I started thinking, God meets us where we're at. I am a toddler. I am <laughs> a toddler in my faith, and I, I don't know any other way other than to throw fits sometimes, mm-hmm. or to get angry, and that's okay. God is not going to be disappointed. I mean, we do have to wrestle in our faith. And so all of this just came out of putting all the pieces of the scripture together, along with stories of people that struggled with God, argued with God, um, and then realizing God is so faithful and really understanding what love is. I mean, that's where it all came down to. What is love? And if God is love, (laughs) 
I'm not serving the God of love. Mm -hmm. I'm serving the God of you better measure up. Right. And I I think there is this idea that we have to live out our faith perfectly. And I think it differs whether you're like internally driven or externally driven. So if you're internally driven, somehow you develop all these conceptions Mm -hmm. of what it means to please God. And that is huge. I've, I've come to try to keep that in mind too. When I find myself striving or, you know, trying to read the Bible in the morning, it's not clicking. And I'm like, God, am I going to have a bad day because of this? And right. you know, it just kind of spirals. Rules. Yeah. All these little rules. Like, and I, I don't think there's as many rules as we think there are. Yeah. You know, I, I think of, I'm listening to, to both of you and I'm thinking how different my faith was because I left the church so young and my erroneous ideas about God were that I was the fighter. I was survivor. I had, God had abandoned me and because his people had, had abandoned me in a sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a long story for another day, but, um, but that is how I have always felt and how I've tried to correct my view of actually, you know what, Haley, God is actually in control here. You know what? You don't have the power you don't have the control and when you have the power and you think you have the control and the power then you just will mess things up Mm -hmm. and so it's that's you know these both erroneous ideas of God trying to correct it to come to a place where we understand where God is love and God is good and you know Julie I was wondering do you have any tips or tools for people to if they start to understand wait okay God may not be the type who's Mm -hmm you know, wants me to suffer. God may not, God is not the type who has abandoned me. Yeah. How can we start to build a better vision of God? So much of it comes from our thought life. And, you know, it's really clear in the Bible to take captive every thought. And when we start filling our mind with thoughts that are, that are not truth, um, then we look around the world for um, evidence to back up our beliefs. And so we can, you know, gather these evidences to build our beliefs. But I think it really comes down to admitting, you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we have had some wrong ideas or attitudes and just really having, um, just being willing to, to be um, proven wrong just to find the truth if that makes sense. I mean, we just studied in a women's group this last semester um, a book called The Real God by Chip Ingram, and it was based on the A.W. Tozer book, and um, the quote that starts that book out is, the most important thing about a person is what that person thinks about God. (laughs) And so it was studying the attributes of God. So, you know, where have we gone wrong? Uh, We've gone wrong by secondhand information, by, you know, um, looking at people that are imperfect human beings and thinking that they represent, you know, what a Christian should look like. We need to just go to the source and, you know, who is God? I mean, it comes back to maybe we don't understand. I don't understand God's love for me. I don't. It doesn't make sense. And yet the more I study it, the more I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God is who he says he is because there's no other source that, you know, can give me all I need, you know. So it just comes back to the, the source, going back to the Bible and studying and, and studying on your own too, not just getting fed secondhand information. So that's the way I've always been. Like, I just want to go to the store, source. Right. Mm-hmm. And we actually do put too much emphasis on 
the leaders that are leading the church, we expect them to be perfect. I know I've expected that before when that's, you know, we actually haven't wrestled with that enough in church to figure out, okay, what is acceptable for a leader? I mean, what is permissible? I mean, because they do have faults, but yet they They have to be helped to hold some kind of standard. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I guess maybe taking the burden off of the leadership of the church and asking this question from, like, I want to ask how you think the church is at being vulnerable, but the church meaning like the body of Christ. Um, Because, you know, something we're really trying to unpack, Haley and I, is how do we take off the mask in church and be authentic? And so I guess that starts with, you know, either admitting we have a problem or exploring that problem. Yeah. So, I mean, the way I view it, um, churches are made up of people and people are in, are fallible. And um, we do expect a lot from our, our leaders. And that's why it's so, so, so important to pray for them, pray that they have wisdom, that they can lead us, um, because you know, so many um, attitudes start from the top down. If you have a really good leader um, that's loving and willing to you know, be real, then it just trickles down. Um, but it also on the other end, um, sometimes those small groups and those small gatherings, those are the places where you can be raw and honest with each other. It may not be in the pulpit on Sunday because there's so many differing opinions. There's so many people that have certain triggers or backgrounds. So it's not really the place to be. Um, I mean, it, it's important to be real, but sometimes you can go so much deeper in those smaller groups and really talk with people that you can trust and it's important to talk with people that you know are Christians that are also struggling and and are willing to walk alongside you and help you to find the answers yeah and that's a good point too because I feel like you have to have solid relationships if you're going to share something deep and that's the way you want it too because if you share something with people who don't necessarily care about you or that have exhibited that trust you Mm -hmm. could be hurt yeah and I think part of the problem is a lot of churches aren't prioritizing those relationships Mm -hmm. because you go and you listen to a sermon and then you leave, you know? And so that could be part of the issue as well. I just spoke with, um, I'm on this new social app. I'm not a social media person, but I really do like this new social media app called Clubhouse. And I, you know, last week we, or a few weeks ago, we had on the show this woman named Susan Yim who had um, dead consulting work with the church, you know, for a a few decades. And she had mentioned an example where at the beginning of the year, the pastor had said, we want you to do these evangelism outreach groups every six weeks. And so they did with this openness of, and maybe they didn't even talk about Jesus until maybe the third meeting or something like that. And at the end of the year, um, they had done their final closing meeting and the past and Susan raised her hand and she said, well, what about the evangelism groups? And their pastor said, did you actually do those? And she, her and her husband were the only ones who actually did the evangelism groups in the whole church. And the pastor actually did a little pushback saying, is that even worthwhile? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that goes to Hannah's point is, are we valuing those relationships and putting those as a priority you know you look at <clears throat> jesus how he started the church i mean he he made relationships i mean he they they ate together um with the disciples and um <clears throat> you know he befriended people he befriended people from you know i mean men and women and and really just um i just feel like there's so much more togetherness you know 
And so it's really hard in big churches um, to do that. And uh, so I grew up um, in mostly Southern Baptist churches where the emphasis was on evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. But you know what? You can't go spread the good news if you don't feel like it's good news. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't Great make somebody, point. you know, go out and, and win someone to Christ if you're really struggling with who God is in your own life. And so when I first started going to West Bulls, um, the youth group drew me in because they would just go on vacations and um, they would just go to trips or they get together you know, on the weekends and it was a lot of togetherness. So it was really just about relationship building. And one thing I learned is that that is hard enough. That is hard enough to learn how to love like Christ the people that you go to church with. And if you can't manage that, who's going to believe your, you know, your evangelism? If right. you're fighting with the people that you're going out with and you're not loving them, I mean, it revealed so much of my jealousy and insecurities and I even hated just hanging out with people my own age. And I realized what, honestly, it just revealed how horrible of a person I was and how much I needed to work on that. And so, you know, we didn't go out and evangelize because we didn't have our crap together, you know? I mean, but as a result, you know, we grew in our faith. And then I just, you know, you become a testimony, you know? If you can't show somebody without words what Christ does in your life, why are they gonna believe your words? You know, they watch the way you live. And um, and there's been people in the church that say, wow, I've really seen you grow grow a lot. And I, it sounds, I mean, sometimes I take that as a backhanded, you know, compliment, but (laughs) um, because I've changed so, so much, so much um, in about 25 years that I've been going there. Um, but I, that is to the glory of God, because I, as I shared on Sunday, you can't manufacture joy in your life. We cannot manufacture the fruit of the spirit. God wow. himself has to do it in us. And our part is just to be willing to be open and vulnerable and let him come in and start knocking down walls. And it's painful, Absolutely. you know, but if we really, really want to grow and we really want to be like Christ, it, it involves a lot of of pain and changing and changing our thoughts and attitudes. You just brought back a like huge memory from college I haven't thought about in years walking around this University of North Texas, this very secular campus that was heavily critical of Christians. And I would just walk around with my backpack just looking at the ground and thinking, what is so good about the good news? Right. What is so good about it? You know, if if there's all this rules and regulations and judgment, what's so good about it then? Totally. You know, so my question would be, you know, how do you think that sharing our struggles can better equip us to to have endurance in our faith to to keep it going? How sharing actually expressing like, hey, this may not be going good and just being honest about that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the truth can set you free. I think, you know, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to confess our sins to one another. Um, And a lot of times people think that means that you're not a good Christian, you know, if you're struggling. But we we are called to, we are in this together. And in this world, we will have trouble. So, you know, we, we have to be brave. We have to be brave. We have to be willing to be vulnerable and honest and also, you know, get some, some kickback. I mean, be willing to be judged by people that think, you know, our faith is weak, but it's the opposite. Our faith is strong when we can, you know, talk about our struggles. And that's the only way to overcome them is to bring them out into the light. Right. right. And I, I can't get what you said out of my head about how you can't manufacture the fruits of the spirit 
because you know there's no such thing as fast fruit like in real right. life yes. it's like it takes time to grow and be cultivated and I think if we really get that in our minds as believers that it takes a while to become like Jesus so we're going to have struggles we're going to have yes. a mess and that's just the truth you yes. know so I think yeah a lot of the times people in church have just tried to go and have a ministry right off of the bat because they feel like it's what they're supposed to do without you know cultivating themselves first so I really that's my hope that the narrative can start to change about what we value in the church yeah absolutely um so my final question for you would be do you have any tips about how people can live out their faith more honestly or authentically I mean I had a young adult when I was running focus groups for the churches that I work with through the Young Adult Initiative at Denver Seminary. He said, I just wish we could break character. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to being true to yourself. I am. I um, live honestly and authentically because I am accountable to God and myself and not to others. So it starts with wanting to do that within yourself. Um, and then hopefully that spreads. But, you know, to me, I believe the gospel. I believe that, you know, the the Bible has power to transform. And I've seen God's transforming power in my life. And so I, the more I learn about God, the more I, I just want to keep growing. And I, my hope is that that's contagious. Um, and if it's not, then maybe I don't have the right faith. Maybe there's something wrong in my beliefs, you know. But if God is who he says he is, then it should be, we should be so much like Christ. We should have such a great light that people want to be drawn to it. You know, we're the light of the world. But if we're just having a hard time, you know, shining um, within, who's going to want that, you know? Right. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining us today for this show on authenticity and transparency. You were truly moving, and your story and your testimony is truly moving. And I just really do see the love of God shining through you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Christian Curious. Um, Check us out anytime on our website at www.christiancurious.co. And email us with your questions and comments. You can email Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co or Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at ChristianCurious.co. Have a great day and stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.